While we've tried to be as helpful as possible, this podcast should not be considered professional financial advice. It contains general information only, and you should seek out independent professional advice on your personal situation before making any financial decisions. They were the proudest people during construction and they insisted that I was there together with our director on the day of handover. They were just so proud of owning their Mexicon house and they put on the most amazing spread of food on the day of settlement. They insisted that we sat and eat this feast and that's certainly the one that stands out for me. Welcome to Building the Dream, a podcast by Metricon all about the process of building a new home. I'm your host, Cecilia Ramsdale. I'm a mum of two kids. I am a voice actor, a podcaster, and I have a sneaky love of houses and all things real estate. Now, I, like many of you listening, have bought houses before. I've renovated. I've even rebuilt entire parts of them. But one thing I've never done is build a whole new house from scratch, but I've always wanted to. So in this series, I'll be speaking to the experts at Metricon about the process of building a brand new home. Together, we'll explore all the steps in the process from first deciding to build new to actually getting the keys. And by the end of this series, you and I will both know if we want to take the plunge. So far in this series, you've heard a lot about what happens before the build actually occurs. But in today's episode, we're finally going to talk about what happens when your home starts to take shape. To find out, we're talking to two experts from Metricon who know every part of the build back to front. We'll be talking about base, frame, lockup and fixings. There's a lot to cover and we've got the experts ready to explain it to us. First up, we've got another return guest on the show. You'll remember Luke Fryer from episode one of the podcast. He's the general manager of the Queensland arm of Metricon, and he's really passionate about the work Metricon does. He's seen plenty of builds over the years, so he's the perfect person to answer all our questions about this step of the process. It's been a real journey up until now, so I wanted to know how people feel when their build finally gets started. I began by asking Luke, what's that moment like? To answer the question, it's really, really exciting getting started. Most people build a home for the reasons it's unique to them, but really they would build a home because they want to see it start. It's such a milestone moment. As necessary as the approvals process is, relevant council approvals, legislative requirements, it's not tangible. I can't touch it. I can't see it. I can't show my friends or my family how amazing my house slab is. It's a really big milestone moment for people that are building a home. And we're lucky enough to Metricon to be able to start that build phase with the customer. So we find the excitement for the journey really peaks at the start of that building phase. And given the nature, say, starting point is to prepare the site for the slab, which often means excavating the land because it's rare that it's dead flat or billiard table flat, but the slab needs to be flat. So we prepare the land for that and run services in water, power, sewer, storm water to the location where that slab is. And then the all-important slab pour. And we find a lot of our customers and we try to involve them in the process as much as we can, particularly if they've got little ones. They'll want to come and get the little ones to put their handprint in the slab and write the date so that in 20 years' time, when that two-year-old kid's up and, you know, out in the big world doing university or working or whatever's unique to them, 
and it's time, finally time to rip the carpet up and replace it because it's 20 years old. I say, there's your little handprint. And then when does construction start once the slab is down? Pretty well straight away. And at the moment, with the impacts to supply chain that this pandemic has caused, timber is in really short supply. But generally speaking, after a slab's been poured, it's given a day or two to cure and because it truly is the foundations of the home. And then the timber frame or the steel frame is delivered. You've got a carpenter gang on site and they're standing up. So again, that's visually super powerful because I can finally see the built form of my home coming to life. Once the building has started, you've sort of touched on the idea that you can go as the customer and see it happen. How does that actually work? I imagine that you're not invited to come every day and keep an eye on things, or is it like a weekly schedule? How does it play out? It's funny, you know, as in most things in life, every customer is different and their needs and wants are different, whether they're close to the site, whether they're a long way away, or sometimes in a state, or whether they're busy people, or whether they're maybe self-funded retirees who've got some time on their hands. So It's not a one-size-fits-all model, but what we do encourage our customers is we would love you and encourage you, if you can, to be an active part of this journey. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, we're the custodian of their home and we're the curator of their home. We don't own the home, they do. They've just uh, entrusted us to build it for them. So we want them to be a part of the journey as best they can. Now, the obvious limiting factor is the safety because a building site is a building site and without the right safety measures, there's trip hazards or there's sharp things at times that they need to be careful of. So if you're going to come on site, please make arrangements with me, your site manager, so that I can ensure that I'll be there with you waiting for you at three o'clock. I'll induct you onto the site so that you're aware of all the safety precautions necessary because the last thing we want is for a customer to step on a nail or roll their ankle on an uneven surface, for example. So let me take you around. I can guide you through the tour and then make sure you get off the site safely. But if you want to drive past this building site morning, noon and night when you're going to pick the kids up from school or go to a coffee shop, go your hardest. Because again, communication is the critical, most important thing in most things in life, I think. So if the customer by viewing the site can take in the progress, it certainly helps with their understanding of what's happening now, what's happening next. There's steps in the process, isn't there? There's also steps in the process when it comes to payments. Can you tell me about how the payment systems work and what progress payments are? So there's key progress payments on the bill, which are basically defined as the major milestones of that bill. For example, there's a slab payment. Once the slab's complete, the customer inspects the slab, confirms it's to their expectations. It's been marked off by the Metricon Independent Quality Assurance Inspector, and it is now payable. The next stage is then frame then enclosed, then lock up and then handover. The important thing to note there, which I think is a great thing, is the payments are retrospective. So the builder, it's incumbent on the builder, Metricon in this example, to fund and put your slab into the ground. Then the builder requests payment as part of the progress payment schedule and the customer confirms that that activity has happened. The slab is in fact completed, been marked up and now as a consumer, I pay for it. So you're always paying for what has been done not a forward payment of what you're about to do. And that's where it's important. I think isn't that an advantage of building a home with a big builder as well? If you think about the fact that if you're handing over a lot of money to a smaller builder who has to have that money to start purchasing the materials to get started, there's that element of it's a little bit risky or it feels a little bit risky, but I love that, that with the Metricon ones, you're not paying for anything unless it's tangibly built and there and you can see it. Exactly right. And it's interesting that you use the slab to the frame as a, a really good example. 
slabs finished today and the QA inspection happens now. Confirm it's all done. Metricon would say to the customer, great news, we've reached slab complete. Make sure you come and have a look and we'll forward through the paperwork for you and your bank to settle that particular invoice. And there's a seven-day payment term. Oftentimes, by the time that seven days rolls around, the frame's been complete. So you've actually reached completion of the next stage. Oh, right. So they don't wait once once the process has started. Now, you just mentioned equality assurance. Who's in charge of making sure things do pass the quality they need to be? There's a few people involved because we're of the belief that you can never have enough quality in a home and you can never have enough eyes checking quality. Our tradesmen and our suppliers are, of course, inducted into the metrical and quality program. They're trained to with an inch of their life as to what our <laughs> expectations are and the, the construction detailing is and all the technical aspects. Then the site manager there is the live eyes and ears on site, giving that coaching and ensuring that the slab in this example is poured to the quality expectations of Metricon. But then we have our quality assurance team totally separate. It's entirely independent set of individuals, often with a skill set of great experience and with a totally separate reporting line, management structure, accountabilities. The reason for that is probably the same reason that most industries around the world have separate quality assurance measures because self-certification is flawed because my eyes see only what my eyes see. And if I've been so close to it and so invested in the process of getting this house to this particular moment, if I've got a great attitude, which thankfully all of our people do, I should be screaming for someone independent to come in and please check my work because I'm really close to this. I'm on this site every day and I've watched every inch of this slab being done and I'm sure it's perfect, but I just want someone to check it for me because at the end of the day, this is a really important part of the journey. This is Mr. and Mrs. Jones's house and I want them to have absolute certainty that the concrete has checked it, I've checked it, there's a certifier who's independent metrical has checked it and an independent quality assurance manager has also checked it. So basically a four-point check, which includes that real independent body coming in and checking it. Now we'll come back to Luke a bit later because I want to make sure you know what happens if you notice any issues after the home has been built, which is a really normal part of the process and Luke's got some great tips. But before that, let's bring building expert Peter Tomopoulos into the picture. Peter is the GM of Building and Operations at Metricon, and as you can tell by the title, he knows a lot about building. So I'm excited to get his insight on this important stage. The first question I had for Peter was, what's his favourite part of the building process? Look, it sounds cliche, but I guess it's watching the customer's dream come to life and knowing that you're a part of probably the biggest purchase a customer would ever make. It was interesting. Yesterday, I went and had a look at a house around the corner, bigger than the one I live in, has a pool. I was like, oh, yeah, I like the look of this one. And I just walked around and all I could see were the things that needed fixing. And I thought, isn't that the difference between being able to build your own home where you know everything's new, you've got warranties for stuff, compared to buying this one that was built in the 70s that had like existing heaters that still worked and like cables going everywhere. And it just looked like a giant problem waiting to happen. What do you say to people who are building as opposed to buying something that's there already? When you're building a new house, I mean, it's personalized to your taste, if you like. So you get what you want and there's no compromise to be made buying a pre-loved house and they're doing a renovation. So 
I know. I love the idea of people. Purple's my obsession. I'm like, yeah, they can put purple carpet throughout if they really want to. <laughs> Haven't seen that purple carpet in my 17 years. No, not at Metricon. Much too stylish. Not at Studio M. No purple shag pile there. Let's have a look at the actual process of construction. It's got to be the most exciting part of the process, doesn't it? How are customers feeling throughout the build? I think if you asked any customer, they'd probably answer with the word anxious, I guess. I mean, it's a pretty big deal building a house. So I think there's high levels of anxiety. And I guess for us, our job is to make them feel as comfortable as possible in that process, whether you're in the sales process, operations process, or construction process. And how do you manage that anxiety? I mean, is that your job? Communication and the right communication, being available when the customer needs you. We pride ourselves on probably over-communicating. I think that goes a long way towards addressing the customer's anxiety. What about at the end of the build? Do you find that people get straight into it, they this is my dream home, the whole thing, or is there still that kind of lag of anxiety about the post-traumatic stress disorder from building it? What level are we talking? Yeah, interesting. I only speak for when I was a site manager all those years ago, but you could actually feel the anxiety dissipating the longer you went into the build. So the anxiety levels would be fairly high up front because they didn't know what to expect. But as you got to um, know your customer better and they got to know you better and that trust was built, you could almost see their shoulders lower or lower themselves. Tell me about some of the key contacts that the customer will have during the construction process. So you've mentioned site manager. Is that the person who is the number one go-to throughout the build? Yeah, absolutely. They're responsible for scheduling, quality, OH&S, communication, but not the only person that's responsible for that. We have a building support coordinator that also liaises with the customer and probably acts as a conduit between the site manager and the customer. So they're really the two key people that communicate with the customer once we do get to site. Okay. haven't heard of them before. That's interesting. So if during the construction phase you have a question or a concern, who would be your first point of call then? If it's construction related, you'd reach out to the site manager. If it was admin related or a combination of, you'd reach out to your building support coordinator, phone call or email. There are a few stages to the construction process and I'd love to break them down with you. So when I say what they are, can you give me a bit of a quick explanation, starting with base? What's the base? So base is basically everything from when that site cuts, so excavator cuts the site, to your slab complete. Next one is the frame. Give me a rundown. What do I expect at frame? So at frame, once the base is complete and we've had our base site clean, so we get a bobcat to site and we ensure that everything's sort of backfilled up against that slab, erect our frame and roof, and once that's complete, that's your frame stage. The next stage, lock up. What does it mean if we're at lock up? Basically, lock up is roof cover on, fascia and gutter complete, your plumber's been there, front door on, eaves complete, any claddings, that's considered a lock up stage. Right, so it's watertight and burglar tight. Watertight. Pretty self-explanatory. It's what it says. I mean, it's locked up. You can't get into the house. Okay, so then that brings us to the next stage, which is fixing. Yep, so fixing post-lock-up. So basically insulation, all your plaster complete, your uh, your architraves, your skirting, your doors are hung, your cabinets are installed, bench tops. What are architraves? They're the bits around the top, aren't they? 
Parquet trays are all the bits that surround basically your door jams. So there's a lot going on in the house build. How does a customer know that it's all up to spec? What's the quality assurance process that's in place? We've got a, uh, a six-stage QA process at Metricon Homes. It's carried out together with our standalone QA team and our site management team. To give you an example of a typical QA process on our house, we have basically slab QA, both a pre-pour and a post-pour slab QA. We have a frame QA process where our QA team will uh, carry out a frame write-up together with our site manager. We'll ensure that our building surveyors come and check and certify that frame prior to us progressing any further. We have an internal lockup process that we need to follow for QA. Our QA team will come and carry out an independent lockup inspection prior to plaster. And of course, the all-important final inspection, which is carried out by our independent QA team. Okay. And with the different stages, how involved do customers get? So if the base is being poured, are they there watching the concrete as it goes through? Or, I mean, what level of involvement do customers have with their build? Some customers want to be heavily involved in the build and some customers are happy with minimal involvement. So it's really horses with horses. But typically a customer would book an appointment with the building support coordinator and meet a site manager out on site at any stage or maybe two or three times during that build. But not so much through base stage, certainly at frame stage when you start getting a feeling of what the spaces feel like, pre-tile, to ensure the right tiles are going on the right walls and everything's sort of as expected. And, of course, the all-important walkthrough at the end. So it's, it's you know, sort of two to three. And that last walkthrough, is that the chance for the customer to just make sure they're happy with everything? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, customer will walk through and basically if they've got any concerns or queries, they're addressed there and then. What's your favourite part of construction yourself? Look, it'd have to be the day of handover. I mean, it's interesting. There's been discussions over the years of having a dedicated handover team. However, our site managers, that passionate, they've constructed this house and sort of day in the life of a site manager is they're really proud when they do hand over that home to a customer and they get to experience that. And for me, as a, when I was a site manager, certainly handing over that home to the customer and sharing that moment with them was certainly worthwhile and worth all the effort. Yeah. And in terms of watching things happen, what's your favourite part of the construction process? I'd have to say sort of frames are lock up because there's just so much happening on site and there's something changing every day during that phase of the build. I remember we rebuilt part of our house a couple of years ago and we had a concrete truck come and it couldn't reach where it had to be. So they had this like giant crane and the hose and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most exciting thing we've ever seen. As you say, it's a once in a lifetime kind of arrangement. So... There's lots of milestones of joy, isn't there? It is. So before we let you go, can you just let me know, do you have a favourite success story from your time at Metricon that you're happy to share with us? Absolutely, and it's probably a customer that I'll never forget. The husband's name was Raul and the wife's name was Minda. In Bulleen, I was the site manager at the time. It was very early in my career at Metricon and they were the proudest people during construction and they insisted that I was there together with our director on the day of handover. They were just so proud of owning their Metricon house and they put on the most amazing spread of food on the day of settlement for Pete Langfelder and myself. But it's something that I'll never, ever forget. I'll stay forever. You certainly touch many customers along the journey 
and some of them uh, react differently. And this was just one out of the box. It was amazing. They insisted that we sat and ate this feast and that's certainly the one that stands out for me. Peter did a great job explaining what you can expect when going through the build. But all this talk of building got me wondering, what happens if the build gets completed and you move in and then you discover a chip tile or something like that? Now, just quickly, I learned through this discussion that this is called a defect. It's usually nothing to worry about. They can happen. And it's a really normal part of the process. So I went back to Luke and I asked him, what happens if you notice something is wrong after the home has been built? In the unlikely event that a customer were to find a chip tile as part of their pre-build walkthroughs, that would be immediately defected by the site manager. So the site manager says, yeah, I can see exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I hadn't seen that yet. Thank you so much for picking it up. I'm going to defect it. So they would log it into their iPad computer system. They take a photo. They note that there's a chip tile on the third tile down on the northeast wall of the bathroom that needs rectification and no further tiling works to continue on that wall in that room without that being completed. The site manager then goes back, inspects that the new tile has indeed been installed signs it off marked complete and then that is kept for future record keeping so that down the track it's documented it's in history that that defect was rectified on the run. And is that included in the cost or if things like that happen are there extra costs associated with it? Absolutely no charge to the customer because it's not their responsibility that in this case the delivery driver for those tiles took a corner a bit sharp and the tiles moved in the back of the truck and chipped that tile. That's just an example of how that could happen, but that's of no concern to our customer. The builder wears all responsibility for that. And if that means it's between the builder and the tile delivery company to work out who's going to pay for that extra tile, okay, well, that's their responsibility. The customer shouldn't be exposed to any, one, grief around that and being involved and, well, okay, well, whose problem was it? And two, certainly not from a cost impost perspective. Yeah. It's interesting with things like tiles because when you're dealing with a lot of the tiles that you have available these days, if they're stone or a natural product, they have defects in them to some degree as part of the pattern. And a lot of that can just sort of come down to subjectivity, can't it? You know, I don't like that tile in the group, but I like that one. Like it can get quite narrow in the end, down to personal taste. It can. You raise a really good point there. You use something like a brick, which at the heart of it, a brick is kiln dried clay. There's red clay and there's brown clay and there's black clay. And even red clay there's different varieties. So what's viewed as a red brick in a display, when they get delivered to site, might have been dug out of a quarry 100 kilometres that way where there is a slight difference. On any product that's got a natural element to it like that, like a brick, we encourage our customers, hey, we've got your bricks delivered on Tuesday. The bricklayer is going to be starting on Thursday. If you're available, we'd love you to pop down to site. Just get your eyes over them. Bring the sample that you chose from and let's just make sure that the natural differences are not beyond your liking. Or if you're in a state, when are you available for me to FaceTime you and I'll step you through it or I'm happy to do it as your site manager, as your person here in Queensland, I'm happy to look at this and say, it's spot on. It's exactly the same as the display model you looked at. No concerns. We're good to go. We have sort of talked a little bit about what happens outside of the house because obviously when you build the Metricon home, everything inside is included and the facade and all of that kind of stuff. And if your block's got a bit of fall on it, you might need a bit of excavation, you might need retaining wall, all of that sort of happens at the beginning. But what about things like fencing and landscaping? How does that work with the build? 
Landscaping, fencing, pools, driveways, garden beds have long been a discussion between customer and builder and landscaper. Inside the walls, Metricon has total control of what's going inside those walls. Outside those walls, every block of land is different. Some are sloping, some are small, some are big. Some have an existing fence up on the left-hand side, but not the right-hand side. And grass, gardens, mulch, plants, real living things that can die. (laughs) Yes, they can. (laughs) If they're not watered. (laughs) If they're not looked after. (laughs) If they're not looked after. So for that reason, more times than not, we leave that to our customers. And what we try to play a role there in saying, well, look, for the display homes that we build around Australia, we use... ABC landscape supplies and installations. They're fantastic. They always do a great job on our homes. Happy to connect you and go direct. There's no point us being a middleman here. You might as well get it done um, through someone reputable and we're happy to just pass you through. Because as soon as you're installing a product that is real, is live, rather than a bench top that's dormant, there's a whole level of complexity that comes with that, including, for example, worms or weevils or little bugs that come in the plants that maybe this customer's daughter has severe allergies to. And I know we're talking hypotheticals here, but that's how broad you can open the Pandora's box with a real live product that can lead to outcomes that no one can foresee that aren't what the customer ultimately wants. So we try to play an intermediary role. So look, we don't do that for those reasons, but happy to connect you with good people that will look after you. And is it a little bit dependent on the development that you're building in or the area that you're building in as well? I did hear in one of these interviews that someone was talking about the fact that some developers will say that you need to have your front landscaping done when you move in, like that can be a requirement. Yeah, sometimes the land developers will have what they call a covenant over the block of land that says you need to pay a bond, say $1,000, and that bond is released once you've installed your landscaping which achieves a certain standard, you know, might need to have 10 plants in the front garden or whatever, because they're trying to preserve the quality of their development, make sure the street appeal is really strong, which most customers, most people, I think say, yeah, great, because we're going to live here. We want all the homes to look fantastic because we want to live in that environment. And two, it probably helps us with our resale. And do people get a bit of inspiration when they go to display homes? Like, is there sort of, as you touched on, you've got landscapers that you work at. So you could go into the display home and go, I like the way this garden looks. Those plants are called this, that's called that. Let's sketch down what they've done here. Let's get a bit of an idea. Yeah, I suppose you're not just left hanging, are you? (laughs) No, certainly not. And you're right, display homes for 45 years in Australia have served such an important purpose because it's tangible, it's real. I can walk through it, I can touch it. I can feel what it's going to be like to stand in this kitchen or one similar to it and the kids get up and they're going to eat breakfast here at the breakfast bar and I'm going to have a coffee once, you know, they're getting gone to school at the back there. So it's real and no doubt as we move into a more modern world and more futuristic environment, virtual reality, the internet, Pinterest and the like are playing more and more of a role in me being able to form an opinion about a product without actually touching it and feeling it. But it's still right here, right now in late 2021, plays a really important role in a customer's decision-making and what they do or don't want is being able to stand in that home and go, I love it. Or, you know what, I don't feel it, but I love the one next door. Yeah, yeah. I can remember going to visit display homes in the 80s when I was a kid just for something to do on a Sunday. (laughs) I'd like to ask you if you've got 
a funny story from your time building homes with Metricon that you're happy to share with us? We had a couple, I won't give them their surname, but their names were Wally and Loreen. And they lived, or they were building a home with us on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Happily married, two adult children, both girls. They might have even had grandkids. So, you know, they're in a great stage of their life. Wally was a terrible snorer. And I mean, like, (laughs) bring the walls down, terrible snorer. Even though it was just the two of them, they built a four-bedroom home because they wanted to have some room for one guest to hopefully the grandkids if they wanted to come over and stay the night with Nanny and Poppy. But they actually built Wally a bedroom and Laura a bedroom. And although they were happily married and as in love today as they were the day they got married, I'm sure, they did not sleep in the same room (laughs) because Wally's storing it got to a point where Laureen just couldn't handle anymore. So the level of insulation that they put in the walls of (laughs) Wally's bedroom would be enough to stop a train driving past and you would hear it. But that was what they needed, right? Or sorry, that's what Laureen needed. (laughs) Wally was obviously (laughs) oblivious to the whole thing and thought it was hilarious, but... That's probably an unusual story, but hey, it works for them. Thanks for listening to Episode 7 of Building the Dream, a podcast by Metricon all about the process of building a new home. In today's episode, we learned about the exciting moment when your home actually gets built. Peter broke down the four stages that a home build goes through And Luke shared some great tips for what to do if you find a defect in your home after the build is finished. Join us next episode for the last episode in the series as we learn about maybe the most exciting part of this journey. What happens after you get the keys? But if you're ready to take the plunge now, head over to metricon.com.au and get in touch with a new home advisor. I'm Cecilia Ramsdale and I'll catch you next time on Building the Dream. Building the Dream.